He still needs to respond to the word that I shared in the series on mission versus lifestyle and the church at work. There's some stuff in there that um, will really become, I say, prophetically, I declare, become our culture among us. But we will not be a compromised church and we will not be a church that allows compromise as part of our, of our culture. Most of us will always be compromising a little bit here and there, but we cannot allow that as part of our culture. Are you with me? Yes. We're all weak and all that stuff, I know. Me too. But we can't allow it as part of our culture, so we'll preach the truth and we'll keep each other to that by the grace of God. What are we living in response to? You know, so much of what we do is in response to response to things. I mean, that's the way we live. I live in response to the emails I receive from my boss. Right? I live in response to the share prices or, or, or the uh, Bitcoin, Bitcoin prices. Because if they go down very sharply right now, it's going to trigger an action from me. And I'll sell. Or I'll buy. Do I live from social invites? Do I live in response to social emails? Do I live in response to my wife, my husband, my children? Do I live in response to the news, to the weather? What's the weather like? So what can we do today? <laughs> what are we living in response to? What did Jesus live in response to? I'm not going to be long, guys, but I hope you can really take this one home. Let's read one of the most profound scriptures. We read in John 5 verse 17 when, we, when I, I preached about the church at work um, that Jesus said that my father is always at his work and, and even I am working. And then he continues. So he says my father is doing stuff. So am I. And then he continues in John 5 19. And he answers them in this way. He says, very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the father doing. Because whatever the son does, whatever the father does, the son also does. Wait for it. Jesus was perfect, right? Jesus lived the perfect life. Um, we'll see now in Hebrews Hebrews 12 is called the, the perfecter of faith. Sometimes I say the perfecter of our faith, but when he was on earth, he lived in faith. He was the perfecter of, of faith. I think the NRV translates it like that. Perfecter of, of faith. He perfected faith while on earth. His example is our example. What he does, we should do. We'll see that just now. Because he was perfect in sinless, there are some things he could not do. What are they? Simple stuff. What? What? Lie. Wait, this is like Sunday school. Um, let's name all the sins. Um, make sure you stay clear. Um, we should rather preach what. He's called us to 
studio, then there's absolutely no time for sin anymore anyway. Amen. Jesus couldn't do, he couldn't do <laughs> sin, he could only do what's right. Jesus could not do anything unless he saw the Father doing it. Do you see that? He saw the Father doing. The Father was busy doing. He saw the Father doing. Then he did. He lived in response to what the Father was doing. In my preparation for this day, I've asked God the normal question. I asked him, God, what, what, what do you want to do today? What should we do today? And I was so challenged just to say, God, to pretend like you are only going to start doing something today. I just want to ask you, what are you doing? Yeah. And he showed me the picture of a lot of us standing on, on that cliff too afraid to fully surrender and jump. That's what he wanted to do today. And he's also amped about this little message. But a lot of the ways of what we've our plan. He said I would bless it, but I didn't or contain it, but at least you now understand how it's going to work from here on going forward. What we see the Father do, that's what we do. You, we cannot afford to continue to live in res response to so many other things. They are so far secondary. Even your husband and your wife are so far secondary. Because if you would see what your Father is Doing, you know what, husbands, you would so often see him loving your wife and you would hop on, hop on the bus that you've been off. What is he doing? What are you living? What are you living for? This is not a great sermon that's going to go anywhere. It's going to, it's going to stop right here. Because if you could just take this, it'll um, change your life. Because if the whole church would just do that, it would... I mean, if only you guys who are here today would do that, it, 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 would, it, would, it would change the world. So what are you going to do? <laughs> I don't have much more. I've just been hanging on the scripture for, for with my life. What are you doing? What are you doing, Father? That's all I want to do. You know, I... I burnt out badly this year, March. Badly. Really badly. For two weeks I could only lie on, 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 on my back and drink water and uh, dry bread and just like breathe deeply because I was, I was gone. Because I did so many good things. So many kingdom things. So many great ideas. And half of them I heard from God. The other half, we heard that it's a need, or it's uh, something that came up in staff meeting, or something that came up in what meeting. We thought that's a great idea. We haven't done that in a long while. Let's do that. It killed me. I'm going to I, by the grace of God, I'm never going to do that again. <laughs> you, we can't afford to live like that. What is he doing? We're going to look at three scriptures. That was the first one. The second scripture is this 1 John 2, verse 4 to 6. Whoever says that, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandment, he's a liar, and the truth is not in him. 
but whoever keeps his word in him truly the love of God is perfected. I want the love of God to be perfected in me. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So you could say Jesus lived that way, but I have got a job, so I lived. I've got a different life, you know, than whatever Jesus. I can't. I mean, I mean, I can't just. I can't go to Galilee and walk around the lake and just, you know, I can't do that. Now, obviously, you would be understanding enough to know that's not what he means. He means that we would not live practically do what he did, but we must understand how we came to what he did. What did he do? Whatever he saw the Father do. What we see the Father do right now isn't necessarily walking around the Sea of Galilee. For some that might be. What are you seeing him do? What are you seeing him do? Because we ought to walk. If we say that we are in him, if we say that we are in him, if we say we are Christians, followers of Christ, my goodness, that's what it means. Followers of Christ. You, when you follow someone, you see what they're doing and you do it. You see where they're going and you go there. That's following. It's the, the very foundation of everything. Yet, our holidays and our weekends and our lives just filled with everything other than that. The decisions we make is just filled with everything else but that. We've been speaking about this. I think this is just another angle, but it's been gripping my heart. Ephesians 5 verse 1 says we, we should be imitators of God's beloved children. We should imitate Jesus in this. This is our aim. We'd be missed the mark for sure. Of course we'd miss the mark. Regularly. There is food for kindness in that if we are honest about the fact that we actually want to do that. 1 John 2 at the beginning it says if any one of you, you know, if anyone sins, you should know that there is forgiveness. Let me tell you a beautiful testimony of forgiveness. Um, a revelation to me, one of my most precious revelations for the year. Maybe I'll share it, I can't remember. I had my son, he did something wrong and I reprimanded him um, because of it and he then said that he's that he is really sorry about that and then I did something that I didn't realize what I was I was doing until I did it and then I got the greatest revelation I said because I just had compassion on him and he was so sincere in his repentance I said come here let me forgive you and forgiveness became an action for the first time in my life while I was holding him and I realized he's feeling forgiven now. I didn't say yes, you are forgiven. No, just go away. Forgiveness, like repentance, is an action. And now I've been going to God and saying, God, forgive me. I'm waiting on him to love me. <laughs> I'm waiting on him to embrace me. I'm waiting on him to wait on God forgive me. It's more than words. Yes, we will be forgiven. But this is what we are saying 
believers when we're saying I want to be like Jesus I should walk in the same way well the first time someone sent me the scripture on whatsapp I was so I was convicted I was more angry I was like what this is impossible exactly are you willing to sign up for this this is what we're heading for this is our aim this is this is what we say yes I am going for this I'm going to follow Jesus, I want to walk the way, walk how he walk, he saw the path, what his father did. Can we just make a decision, ask if we would repent of doing anything that we do, do not see the father do? Doesn't matter if it's a beautiful thing, doesn't matter if it's a, if it's a good thing, it is, it is dead religion. If it's a good principle, but you decide it's time to do the good principle now. Follow Jesus. That's what that's what we're trusting for. Otherwise, one day, do you know Him? Is the question. Do you know Him? Well, we would know that we know Him if we kept His commandments. If we walked the same way He walked, how did He walk? He He didn't follow a list of principles. No. He knew the word, so therefore He could judge whatever was 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 placed on His heart if it is according to the word or not, because we're. We, 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 we have to do that. I'm not saying that we don't, but eyes on Jesus. What do we see? Lost scripture, Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 2. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. There's a race marked out for us, but we need to run with perseverance. How do we run this race? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Not on your inbox. Not on your WhatsApps, not on the news, not on the weather, not on the share prices. Fix your eyes on Jesus. That's almost practical. Yeah. <laughs> to fix your eyes on Him has become a practical thing for me. It's literally like I close my eyes and I look in the Spirit and I say, God, where are you? What do you do? And I wait. I am with Him. I want to see, I want to hear, I want to discern, I want to know, because my goodness, I can't spend, my, I can't waste my life just doing a lot of other stuff. Doesn't matter how nice they look. Can we fix our eyes on Him? We heard this weekend at an intercessive training that the uh, Tani who was leading and said the most important thing for us to do is to train our ears and to discipline our tongues. <laughs> train your ear to hear God. Make sure you really hear God. A lot of us, I spend a lot of time with some of you. There's not this. Many of us who are not, don't, who do not really frequently hear from, hear from the Lord. And therefore you make up a lot of ways of making decisions. Maybe you do not even know God. Or maybe you just walked away. Or maybe you just you just made a new religion up in your mind where it's okay if I don't hear Him. But you're not surrendered to Him. You're not following Him. Just want to hear Him every now and again. Maybe I'll continue ranting on this for long still to come. But I don't feel that God is really releasing me to speak about anything else in this right now. We need to follow them. We need to hear them. What is our Jesus story?
is going to throw over us right now and then. We're going to share a bit about what he has done in this year. We'll share with each other and then we'll also share corporately. If you want to respond to this word also, you can just stretch out your hands and say a uh, sign of surrender and a response saying, just Jesus, I receive this. Father, I thank you for John 5, verse 19. It says that you, Jesus, you could do nothing. You could do nothing, but you could only do what you saw the Father do. You could only do that. Which you saw him do. Father, I pray that our lives be a response to that, what you are doing. Father, I pray that our lives would be in response to what you are busy doing. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would show us, Father, how to just strip away everything else. Strip away everything else, Father, not to create this religious way of living, Father, that's got all these rules and stuff in them. You said, look to me. See what I'm busy doing. Walk in that way. Father, we pray that do it in us and every heart that agrees in, inside. Every heart that says Amen, Father, there's agreement among us. We ask you for this and through your Holy Spirit you would teach us this. You would teach us to know your voice. You would teach us to follow you. You would teach us to how to throw off all the weights and the sin that ensnares us, Father. And those weights are sometimes beautiful things. They're not necessarily sins. They're beautiful things. Show us them, Father. So we can throw them off and just see what you do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Alright. So now we're going to we're going to do some some action. I want you guys to make groups of two or three or four, not two, three or four. Um, and share with each other. Uh, what has God done in your life this year? What has He done? Maybe just one small testimony. Maybe just maybe you don't have anything right now. You can't think of it. One year is a long time to not have anything that God has done. So maybe 2022 will be a remarkable year. Maybe mm-hmm. uh, we we'll trust for that. But would you share with each other what God has done, and then um, if in your group there's quite a cool story would you just nudge them and say I, I think you should maybe share that with the rest of the congregation as well could we do that okay let's share for the next five to six minutes one to two minutes each max don't go off on your whole life story tangent now one to two minutes what has got down in your life this year
Yeah, and I want to grow in faith to see that more. And then another testimony um, was while we were on outreach with the youth. Um, so Friday night we've got the straw back. Um, so then we go into the streets of Cape Town and we, we minister to the homeless. Um, and then during this time um, we took the youth with us. Um, we were ministering there by Green Market Square. So during the day it's a beautiful place. At night it's actually quite dodgy. Um, <laughs> so we went there. Um, we, we, we were in an alley. Uh, we remember, I remember seeing this one guy that looked really disturbed. Um, he actually kept eye contact with us right throughout while walking past us, and then he just kind of did his own way, and I was like, this is weird. Um, and we continued ministering to the, to the owners that were there. Um, and it so happened that all the girls, so Rista was with the girls, um, they all of a sudden encountered this guy too, and then they, they kind of were like, oh, shut, what, what do we do now? Um, and then Rista, loving the Lord and knowing that He is powerful, just called the girls together and like, let's pray, um, let's pray. And then as soon as I stopped ministering to this one homeless person, um, I, I noticed that this guy just came out of nowhere and he just started shouting, you've crushed his head, you've crushed his head, you've crushed his head. Um, and if any of you know Genesis 3, um, speaks about um, Jesus that crushed the serpent's heads, even though the serpent bit his heel. Um, and then speaking of Diego, we know that demons often just um, pronounce truth. They just declare, declare the truth of who Jesus is. And that was so beautiful to know that Jesus was in and amongst us um, there. Um, and, and how powerful um, his presence is, that even this person that was there, he, he couldn't do anything. In fact, we confronted him and he started pushing away um, wanting to disturb us, but not impacting the fact that we were still ministering to people there. So, yeah. Any other cool stories you think can be shared in a minute or so? Brooklyn, made a lot of women 
And uh, to me, it was this confirmation similar to what you has been encouraging us to do, where the Lord speaks certain words over us, and He was just confirming my calling once again and reminding me of how much I love. I want to say that entry level evangelism, like sharing the gospel with someone for the first time, and just seeing that hope and that life coming in them. So I really, really enjoyed it. I don't even know if you're allowed to enjoy stuff like that, but I love it. <laughs> and then, um, on Saturday, we had a um, celebration of all the women that's left prostitution over the last, I mean, every year since Starbucks started reaching out. And uh, to me, it was such a cool um, moment of sitting in a crowd where the women share their stories, and you realize how small the part is that you actually play in your story. Like, it's just that one night or that one conversation, or sometimes it's a bit longer. But it's so cool to know that he, he's the, this is the word he gave me for Brooklyn as well, he's the seed sower, he's doing the work, it's exactly this John 5, 17. So he's just inviting us to come along and then we get to see this like really cool moments and our lives change, but we don't really play that much of a role, but the Lord's like, come and show you what we're doing. So for me, that's been an awesome destiny as well, actually. Have a last word. <laughs> um, I just really want to share something about the industry that I'm in, which is the arts and acting industry. Um, so obviously I was in my final year, and when you get to your final year, you kind of have to search for an agent. And, and the agent plays a really big part in your journey as an actor because it's the person that's going to bring in the jobs, right? So. Um, Obviously, there's a few agents that are relatively popular and are like the big guys, can I say, and have big agencies and all of that. Um, and so, obviously, there was like a general um, rush in my year to get agents and to get signed as quickly as possible. Um, and I prayed through it and I felt the Lord just say, okay, just wait, just wait a second, just wait. And round about um, June, I started like actively looking for an agent and I remember one morning I was having quiet time and I was kind of like thinking about what agent should I get Lord and I had like a few people like sort of in my mind but not really sure and um, I googled this one actor and I saw he's with this agent this agency called I Artist Management and the um, shortened version of the name is I Am <laughs> And so I started reading their manifesto and the woman who owns it is called Charlene Wormerans and it was like so amazing the way that she worded it on her website. She said the agency started as a whisper to the heart and that kind of thing. So I was like, okay, what's going on here, you know? Um, went onto her social media and it was a lot of like hashtag blessed kind of thing. So I was like, oh wow, like are you, I mean, are you, a, are you a Christian? Is this a Christian agency? I mean, I didn't even know that such things existed in yeah. the arts industry. Like, you, you never, it's unheard of that people openly profess their faith. And so, um, ended up applying, waited a month before she replied to me. So I was like, Lord, is this even the right person? But I had such a peace about it. And when she eventually replied, I just broke. <laughs> like, I, I like broke out in tears. I was like, "Thank you, Lord. This is amazing." Um, and then, obviously, the, I'll just say this quick story about her because she herself is an amazing person. Like, I've just grown to get to know her now for the person that she is, and she is like 
so faith, spiritual, um, amazing woman of God. Um, and so the first time I met her, I was so nervous. I was like arriving there, we were going to get um, headshots done at her house. And um, so I arrived there. I was, I was really, really scared because it was a big deal for me. Um, and she's busy, crazy busy. The photographer's there. There's like two, three other actors. I'm like awkwardly introducing myself to these people. And the next moment she goes, guys, I'm so sorry. I can't go further with this day. Uh, we have to pray. We have to pray. So she stops everyone mid-tracks and she's like, um, and she starts praying and she starts prophesying over the industry and she starts just praying over the day. I, I get so high, all guys. I started crying. I was like, no, I've got my makeup done for this headshot. Because I was like, Lord, how is this possible? How am I sitting here um, at my agent's house getting my headshots done and she's just proclaiming your name over this whole day and she's praying for jobs for um, for writers to write jobs for us it's it's like so flippant cool um, and her testimony as well like um, having started the agency was also she heard it from God in a church service um, I had the privilege of actually hearing the testimony it was like a little meetup we had with the actors and then she just started sharing her testimony I mean it was a testimony it wasn't like she was telling us her life story. I was like, this is like a mini church service, right? Yeah. Um, so that was also cool for me. And I was like, Lord, if you hadn't spoken to her 15 years ago about starting this agency, then I would have not had the privilege to walk into an agency like hers. And that encouraged me so much. So even with the word this morning, I'm like, the Lord wants us to sit back sometimes and just look at what he's doing because he is doing a lot like this this is just one example of what he's doing in the acting industry um, you know and, and I'm just so excited I'm so excited to to see what the Lord is doing in the arts industry um, yeah so I just wanted to encourage you guys Juliet, how about your house? How about that? Uh... Yes. Finally, Juliet's got an awesome story about her house. I'm getting away the punchline. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, um, at the beginning of this year, I had uh, Christy, some of you know, speaking to me about, I think you need to move into a three-bedroom house, and I said, um, you know, I've come from a missionary background. I'm used to making making do with what we have, and I'm fine with that, and I'm content, and I do not like change much. So the Lord sent me overseas for 14 years to work on that. Um, <laughs> I, still, I still don't think I choose and embrace change. Um, but yeah, she just challenged me, and I said, I'm living in Mowbray. It's quite a well-to-do neighborhood, um, and. We were staying in a place that we had very reduced rent because it was a couple who was from this church. And I, my daughter was walking to school down the road to a private school. I mean, the Lord just blows our mind all the time with that. And I just thought, that's a great idea. I, I was sharing a room with my son. My daughter's a teenager. Many of you have never met her yet, but she lives and is alive and well. Um, walks down the road, and I was just like, I don't see how this can work because we're in a house, it's very big already, but it's only two bedrooms. We'd love my privacy, but 
not going to happen, nice idea, kind of put it out of my head. That was about January. The end of March, one of the aviation leaders came up to me. She gave me a paper. She's like, we, we had to do prophecy, and here's a prophecy for you. And it just said something along the lines, like the Lord knows the desires of your heart, and even those secret things, and uh, something to do with a move and a house. And I was like, that's very sweet of you. Very <laughs> off. Like, we're not moving. <laughs> not, luckily, I didn't tell it to a structure face. But, um, I kept it. But I was like, nice try. Keep practicing. And then, I think, probably early April, very soon after that, our current landlord said to us that they need to sell the place. And so I was shocked because I thought we... I wanted, my dream was really, my faith was that my daughter would finish school in one house. She's come from a, a very volatile background. She's had to move all of her life. And I just thought, this was my faith, Lord. Like five years, high school, one place, one school, one house, one family. We're going to do this. And now we've got to move. I don't like change. My kids don't need any more change in their life. Like, how is this a good thing? And... Um, so I was very shaken, but I thought, I'm practical, so okay, we have to look for a house now. I tried to look for a house a couple of years ago, and my mom suggested I was old enough I needed to own a place. And um, I just, it was not a good experience. I felt rushed by agents. It was pressured, it was many, many tears. I don't, this wasn't how I pictured my life. I was going to get married. He was going to buy the house. He was going to take care of it. And then we'd have children, and uh, so, yeah didn't quite work that way in my life, but I just wasn't ready. So now that I had children, I you know, was a bit more open to a house, it made sense, started looking, I thought I wanted to be near where we live because we have relationships, I want my daughter to go to school in the same school. So I looked around Ob's, Mowbray, Pinelands, Rondebosch, all um, rather expensive areas, for those of you still looking in that area, as we know you are. Um, looked in OBS, I thought it was quite nice, on-street parking, break into place, I don't know, it's just not sitting right with me. Took a few of you with me on some of those viewings and eventually a friend sent me a link to a website that I'd never used looking for property at the time and it had a three-bedroom flat in Pinelands and uh, I remember driving to Pinelands years ago as a single woman to look for a place and I thought, this is retirement village, I do not want to live here. But now that I'm a mom with children, I'm looking differently. I'm thinking it's beautiful. There's lots of green areas and wonderful schools. So um, how the Lord prepares us. And I saw this website, uh, this advert, and I was like, this is the one. It was my seventh house, and I made a joke saying seven is perfection, complete. This is the end of my search. But I still had to go and view it. I looked at the pictures, I'm like, I will put in an offer. Sometimes the market works like that, as many of you know. You put in an offer before you've seen it, because you know it's a big deal, and you better go for it, what's gone. So I called my team. We descended on this lady the next day. I think it was about eight or nine of us. And uh, we looked around the house, and I was like, how do I put in an offer? And she said, no, I'm going on holiday tomorrow, and I haven't even drawn up papers with the lawyers. Like, I'll get back to you. And, so imagine my shock when the next day she said, it's off the market, I got an offer I couldn't refuse. And I was like, what do you mean? We, we, we talked about this, you had no other plan. And so she said, um, yeah, she said, sorry, it's gone. So I uh, called up my team again, we started looking at places, but every time I looked at a place, I looked thinking of that place. And uh, I remember 
Alice saying, when I saw that place, I just kept talking about it, and Alice is like, you sound like you love. <laughs> I am. This is the one. Um, so I was rather upset. But again, I kind of went with that attitude. I could make this work. <laughs> and my, thankfully, I have a community who said, when you buy a house, you don't make it work. You, uh, you wait for the one that is the place for you. So I, I looked at the original house on the Saturday, and the next Saturday morning, I got a message from the owners saying the offer fell through. It's, you can put in first offer if you want to. So called up my team and uh, my second phase of the team. And uh, off we went and had a look again. They all said yes. The Wilhelms of the world went and checked all the cracks and uh, the roofs and everything and said it's a good one, go for it. So went, put in an offer, she accepted, we signed. And um, I think that's when the fears probably started because you, you think, wow, I've never bought a house, that's quite permanent. It's a flat. I wasn't looking for a flat, I was looking for a house. Um, now I have to drive my daughter to school, so that changes my scheduling. And I still wrestled with the Lord about why, because my daughter was also going up and down with the move, not, you know, embracing it. So I couldn't get too excited about it either. And the one day I was just chatting with her, and she's like, but why do I need to move, and why didn't the Lord? And, and then I just said, you know, the Lord moved. He's moving us. He, he made this available. I have no shadow of a doubt. Everything I looked at, this price was super cheap in comparison to what's out there. It's, yeah, I can give you the list, but it's, it's an incredible place with off-street parking and just things that I wouldn't have dreamed of. And I said to her, I have peace because of all these impossibilities that the Lord overcame uh, for us, that this is the right place. So we've got to get in line with what He wants to do there, whether we like it or not, whether we're happy or not. And as I left her room, I just felt like, Lord, help me. Like, how is this okay for her? How is this fair? And He just dropped in my spirit that, if, if she had a finished high school in the old house, gone to university or whatever, we moved then and she came back, she wouldn't have a base, she wouldn't have a familiar place that was her home. And so in his kindness, she's halfway through high school now and her second half of high school is going to be her permanency, it's going to be her home where she can come back forever. So um, just to give, the Lord gave us permanency instead of what... I kind of thought is impossible. We now have incredible um, permanency. So I really just saw the Lord move in so many ways. We, all three of us in my family, do not have dads, and I just saw Him provide and gave wisdom and gave people and community and finances beyond. And the timing was just the transfer went through like two days before we wanted to move in, and then a, a plumber was suddenly available that wasn't available to do some renovations we needed in the bathroom and. So when we moved in, it was just just phenomenal, even financially. So give him all the praise. Yes. Anyone else that's burning with the story? All right. Um, there are just three or four things that I want to share with you just in terms of church that was amazing this year um, that I'm so thankful for. Um, we've been here for three years now um, and 2019 was the orientation, getting to know everyone and everything and asking God what is going on here, what should we do. It was hectic but amazing. 20, 
Lini.
Um, and the last thing I want to share, there are quite a few more, but let's stick with this last one. When I saw the third wave starting to go down, I saw if it seems that though we might we might have time for a men's camp and a church camp and a few things towards the end of the year. I know everybody's going to be tired, it's been rough here, but it looked like there was going to be a slump and then, you know, if it picks up again towards this time, and I thought, let's, let's just go for this. And we felt God's hand in the men's camp and the church camp. The men's camp and the church camp could happen. It was bigger than what it was. Like, the family camp was huge and we could do it. Um, in a time where we usually do not do things like that. When, like COVID and the um, timing of it and everything just worked out perfectly for us as a congregation to actually get together and have a men's camp, have a church camp, um, to have services that started to grow. Um, and now, even the intercessor training, we, we, we felt to hold, host that intercessor training, we organized it. Um, and we thought about a group of 50 or so would get together for this. You don't do anything in the fourth term, that's, that's a rule, because black people are over it. <laughs> we had 120 people register, which is all we could have in that venue, and we had to start saying no to a lot of people who were phoning in, and it was just incredible. So the momentum the Lord has brought, the things he has done, and and he's timing in that to us as a congregation to keep us together and to make sure that he could do among us what he wants. It's just really special for me this year. Um, yep, yeah, but So uh, I do not want to keep you guys too long. I think, I think, is there anything to eat at the back? I think there's cupcakes. So if you, if, if you aren't, I'm thankful enough yet, then maybe we will be on to the cupcakes. I won't just pray with us. Um, and uh, yeah, then let's just extend our hearts towards the Lord in gratitude. Lord, I thank you for I, th- I thank you for what you have done in our midst this year. I thank you for what you've done in our hearts. I thank you for what you did today. I thank you for the fruits of what you have done today, that there will be fruit of what you have done today. I thank you that we can look back and our hearts can be full and we can know that you are God and you are working and you love us. We give you glory and honor, Lord. We give you praise because you are worthy of it, Father. You are deserving of it, Lord. And we love you. And we love to receive your love and we love to be in your love, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would teach our eyes to be fixed on you, Lord. That you would forgive us, that we would experience your forgiveness and love as we reach out to you for that when we miss the mark, Lord. And that you would lift up our heads again to see you and to follow you. Amen. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.